So a lot of people ask me, well, what have I been up to? Over the past 365 days, I've been on a sabbatical intentionally doing absolutely nothing. And that was really hard for me. Up until that point, my whole life has been go, 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 hustle. If you ask anyone in my 20s how they would describe me, pretty much everyone say he's a hustler. And taking time off to do absolutely nothing was probably one of the best things I ever did. So I first heard about the sabbatical from an artist and designer named Stefan Sackmeister. I think it was a TED talk where he takes a year off every seven years and he uses that time to relax and rejuvenate, but he also works on these creative projects. And I think that just gives him a great reset to come back with some fresh perspectives, fresh ideas. So I thought to myself, hey, why don't I do that? Too. And I thought it was really important for me to take a year off because when I left my last company, I gave myself six months to take a break. And during that time, I got married, went on a honeymoon. But as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, day one, I was hitting the ground running on my next startup idea. And looking back, I, I definitely do think I rushed into it. And I wish I had given myself some time to explore. Coming to this sabbatical, I wanted to commit to the full 365 days and see what happens at the end of the year. And throughout that process, I, I had a, a few really simple rules. So the first one was no work, no business ideas. I give myself the mental headspace to explore anything that wasn't work related. Number two is have as much fun as possible. Up until that point, everything was so work related that if someone asked me while I was working, what were my hobbies? That was like the worst question to ask me. I, I had none. So I'd, I would always just say work. You know, I don't have time to do anything else. And number three was really about getting my health back on track. So I set this goal that I wanted my physical age to be a decade younger and my mental and emotional age to be a decade older. And looking back at the year, I, I would say that I've learned a lot about myself. So I worked in tech for 15 years, primarily in tech startups. I joined two different startups. Uh, one got acquired by Adobe, the other got acquired by Facebook. And then I decided to start my own companies. The first one being Skillshare, the second one being Otis. That was a 15 year sprint. It was extremely stressful, a lot of anxiety. Coming to the sabbatical, I just wanted to hit the reset button and just relax, have fun and rejuvenate. The first thing I did was really get my health back on track. When I was working, my personal health took a back seat. So I did everything you possibly could do. I started diving deep into Andrew Huberman and Peter Atia and really understanding all the concepts around longevity. I got all the tests done, all the blood work, all the biomarkers and put together a plan of just getting my physical age back on track. Started tracking my food, working out, doing zone two trading, weightlifting. I started losing weight, started getting much better sleep. And I would say the first three months of my sabbatical was just resetting my body. But of course I came up with a bunch of business ideas. I explored everything from boring businesses to real estate, to tech ideas. Some of my favorite ideas from that time were to create a privacy app that can help you with burner numbers and emails and I would text all my friends to get feedback on it. And it was much harder to let go of that than I originally anticipated. And until I was more consciously aware of what I was doing, I just had to say, just stop. And I just started to switch over um, into what I call the fun mode. And I wanted to have as much fun as humanly possible. So that started with all of my personal interests. I started to collect sports cards again. I got really into golf, started dabbling in Legos. And I realized that all the things that I found fun were just hobbies that I had as a kid that I got reconnected to. I also traveled all around the country, seeing old friends, visiting new places with my family and our daughter. I would definitely say it was one of the most fun years I've ever had in my entire life. And 
I started to think through what I really wanted to do next. And through that journey, I kind of realized that I was going through a midlife transition. And I guess as I was diving into my own health, I started researching a lot about longevity. And that's kind of when it hit me. I was like, shit, I just turned 40 and the average person lives until they're about 78. And I'm at the halfway point of my life. And I started to rethink what my priorities were. One thing I'd thought through during the sabbatical was just my own mortality. I also came across this article around the five regrets of the dying. And I, I said to myself that I definitely didn't want to have those regrets if I died tomorrow or in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So the five regrets of the dying are one, I wish I had the courage to live a true life to myself, not the life others expected of me. Two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Five, I wish I let myself be happier. So those are the five regrets of the dying. And I wanted to live the second half of my life to just not have those regrets. I came across this quote that said, no one is going to remember how late you work other than your kids. And that really struck a chord with me. So it led me to have this really simple framework of, around how I wanted to live my life moving forward. So number one, like I said, was always have fun. That's the first half. The second would be optimizing my life to have as much freedom and flexibility as possible. And number three was really around fulfillment and everything related to that, to whether it was work, family, relationships. I just wanted to make sure that I had a really meaningful and fulfilling life. And that's when I came across the concept of the second mountain. So I first came across the concept of the second mountain from a book by David Brooks, who's a New York Times columnist. And he essentially breaks down everyone's career into two buckets, which he calls the first mountain and the second mountain. The first mountain represents a lot of the conventional knowledge around becoming successful in society. These goals are very individual based. It's personal achievement, career success, material gains, status, power, respect, etc. Climbing the first mountain is very centered around the ego. It's all about self-driven advancement and personal fulfillment. Most people that climb that first mountain find that a lot of the achievements and success they had didn't really bring any lasting fulfillment. So he coined this new term called the second mountain. So when people embark on the first mountain or reach the summit or fall off, it causes them to rethink what their priorities are. And those priorities are just beyond the individual or oneself. It's about deep relationships, love, meaning, purpose, all those things that you read about, but it doesn't really resonate until you hit some pivotal moment in your life where you can experience it yourself. So climbing this mountain is not about individual success, but it's about achieving success in something that's much bigger than yourself. It's about giving back. It's about community. It's about all these things that create a deeper sense of meaning and fulfillment. So my first mountain was becoming the CEO of a tech company with everything attached to it. So on one hand, yes, it was stressful, but a lot of money, respect, success, status, it really fed my ego. And when I turned 40, I kind of looked back at that and looking through all the successes I had throughout my career and realized that it wasn't as meaningful as I thought it would be. And that was a huge wake up call. I had to make a lot of sacrifices with my own health, my relationships. And I realized that I didn't want to make those sacrifices anymore. I didn't want to have constant stress, constant anxiety, knock off years of my life when none of those things really matter to me anymore. So then I started exploring what does matter. And that's what led me to where I am today. So it was a very long and slow process. And I would say there were two deaths that happened for me. So the first was around my ego. 
it was feeding a lot of the motivation to climb that first mountain. And once I took a step back and looked at everything, I just realized that a lot of the things that I thought mattered didn't really matter. And the second death was really around my identity. My identity was really attached to my career and what I did because that was all that I focused on. And once that label got removed, I had a really difficult time trying to replace that. So I would try to like latch on to the identity. I would still come with business ideas. I would always tell people I'm on a break. I'm going to start another company, but it's just a matter of time exploring ideas. And about six months in, I just stopped saying that. I just told people I was on sabbatical. And I knew what I would not be doing, which is what I did previously, but I have no idea what I would be doing next. And those two deaths put me into a, you know, pretty big downward spiral. I, I would say I was depressed for a while. I didn't really have a sense of purpose. It was really hard for me to get excited about anything. And once I've embraced it and, and put some work in and, and really understood who I am, that's when I started emerging out of that. I realized that who I am. Who I was in my 20s is not who I want to be in my 40s. And there were a lot of things that I liked about myself and there's a lot of things I wanted to improve. And there's a lot of things I hid, you know, from myself or from others, you know, whether it would be my interest or my true personality. And I just wanted to embrace that and really lean into my new identity, which I would describe today as someone that is entrepreneurial, that is a content creator, that collects sports cards, that also wants to be a good husband, a good parent. And it's someone that wants to balance all of these things. And I would always be kind of hesitant to say that because I was scared of what people would think. But as soon as I embraced that, it kind of lifted me out of this um, low-grade depression and propelled me to move forward. So I guess that leads to where we are today. It's funny to, to say this out loud, but coming to the sabbatical, I always had this initial draw to creating content. I have a newsletter that I've maintained for years. Um, I write a lot on Twitter. But I always kind of resisted the idea of going all in on content, particularly becoming a podcast or a YouTuber. Uh, it was a huge ego blow to go from the CEO of a tech startup to becoming a content creator. That's something I wrestle with. I never thought I was the best public speaker. I didn't know what I would talk about. So I just resisted it. I would always come up with reasons to not do it, but it would always just be there every time I I get excited about idea, it would kind of fizzled out, but becoming a full-time content creator was always at the top of the list. It just never went away. So one day I just decided to embrace it. I was like, hey, I'm looking to do something different next. And the thing that was really important for me was to really be myself and express myself creatively. So I felt like I went from company building and the next thing I wanted to do was just work on a lot of creative projects. I had an idea that everyone is creative and I really wanted to nurture that part of myself. So I looked at content particularly podcasting as a great outlet for that and as a way to give back. Um, and the way I was going to do that was to share my, my own journey and share different perspectives and, and novel ideas around life and work and other random topics or rabbit holes uh, that I find interesting. So here we are today. I'm pretty excited to launch this podcast. It's going to be called the Conscient Apricorn Show. And um, it'll be a mix of me speaking, interviews of recurring guests. We'll explore topics like marriage and parenting and health. And then we'll talk about work and new technologies that are emerging, different novel ways of building a company, and then just random topics I find interesting like aliens or sports card collecting. So it's going to cover a wide gamut. The idea that I want to latch on to is just sharing different ideas and perspectives that can change the way you think about living your own life. I also thought it'd be good to give a little backstory on the 
podcast name, which is the Carnage and Apricorn Show. Originally, I thought I was going to call it Tings because it was kind of it was very similar to my newsletter and it would give me the ability to talk about anything. And then I realized that I should just lean into my name. And growing up, I was always self-conscious of my name because it's so long, it's 15 letters, and I'd always get the, how do you pronounce that? And I just became pretty self-conscious about it. And coming out of this sabbatical, I just wanted to just lean into and just own my name. And that was a huge step for me. So that's, that's kind of the backstory behind the name. And, and with that, this is the first episode. So I appreciate you guys joining and really looking forward to seeing where this goes.